0: Even if we don't get noticed or yeah. you know, grow an audience, it doesn't matter because that's not the main reason for doing it. The main reason is to make good films and grow our skill set as we go.
1: You're listening to the Adventures in Filmmaking podcast, the show where we share the stories of independent filmmakers. The challenges, successes, failures, and why so many of us are compelled to tell our stories with motion pictures.
0: Hello and welcome to Adventures in Filmmaking. My name is Jason Marshall. And I am Julian Bait vichette And we are Nobody Filmmakers. And in this uh, podcast series, we are going to talk about all the lessons we've learned along the way. We're going to talk to other filmmakers uh, about their experiences. And basically just look at it from the perspective of trying to tell stories while... Holding down full-time jobs and doing this on weekends and evenings, and the challenges that come with having a lack of resources. So, Julian, I figure we'll we'll open up and talk about ourselves. And uh, I would like you to, because we we haven't talked about it much uh, over the last uh, few years that we've known each other. But uh, tell me, tell me how you got into it. Like, what were your what, what, what caused you to go from not making films to making the decision to make films?
1: Yeah, so I, basically from a very young age, always knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I I remember in elementary school, even, I was talking to my dad, and I was like, hey, let's get a video camera and make some movies, you know, because uh, I saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I was like, I want to make a vampire movie. It never ended up happening, but... Uh, That was sort of like when I knew that I want to do that someday. It really started, though, after high school. Uh, I took a semester at Algonquin uh, for television broadcasting and um, flunked it horribly, but learned some pretty valuable skills in terms of working a camera, basic three-point lighting, stuff like that. didn't really make my first film until, I want to say, 2015. 15 is called Arcturus. Um, I was Mm -hmm. the cameraman and director. Uh, It was me and it was Brad. We're like the entire crew. And we hung out in an RV for two weeks making this really awful film. Um, But it, you know, taught us a lot of lessons. And this is where I also learned how to be an editor as well. And I knew I loved it. And um, I submitted to Sundance and a whole bunch of other film festivals, and obviously didn't get in because that's how it works. If you're not gonna get in <laughs> yeah. to like Sundance or any big film festivals, especially on your first attempt.
0: One thing I want to mention is uh, we are we are gonna get him on the show. Our friend Brad uh, Bradley Hart, he was uh, Julian's longtime producing partner, uh, still is when we're when we're active in the in Zero Theory, which is another filmmaking thing we have going on. Um, and I have you sent me Arch, Arcturus. Yeah. Did I say that right?
1: Arcturus. Yeah.
0: Arcturus. Okay. And uh, I I remember watching it because you sent that to me in the because you and I met in 2018 on yeah on my on the film the mobile film I made for the International Mobile Film Festival. Yes. And we got talking after that, and uh, we'll we'll come back to that or we'll we'll discuss that more in depth later. I'd watched it before. The silencer, which is the one we're going to talk about here in in, in just a, just a minute, uh, and I remember saying, "Okay, yeah, I can see the I can see the uh, the potential here." Mm-hmm. I said, it, "I said it wasn't great as most first films are not." Oh yeah, and I, I can't wait to talk about mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, come back to the so you you did go to you did take a filmmaking course in Algonquin. Yeah, you said, and uh, unfortunately flunked out. Uh, are you? Do you mind if I ask what happened there? Um, I was really. Im- as, 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 as much as you want to talk about it?
1: I was straight out of high school. I was really immature. I was like partying a bit more than I should have been. And I wasn't taking things very seriously. Okay. And I honestly, you know, I, I didn't go back to school until uh, last year, but. I honestly needed that long gap because, uh, you know, I started working and, you know, got a job, a steady job at Cineplex for a while. So it kind of taught me routine and responsibility. And then when I went back to sc- school, I had a fresh set of eyes, and it it obviously went a lot better. But uh, I that first attempt at mm-hmm. Algonquin, it th- there are still skills to to today that I learned from it like I I learned the basics in shooting with a DSLR and you know like I, mm-hmm. without that it probably would have been a lot longer till I made my first film because you know there was a little less roadblocks in terms of getting the film made
0: yeah that's true the to, 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 to highlight the differences between us Julian is you're what 29
1: I am 29.
0: You're 29. I'm 43. Mm-hmm. So when I made my first film in 2004, there were far more roadblocks. Yes. <laughs> because of uh, lack of lack of camera gear. Everything yep. was done on tape. Uh, no sound gear. The, mm-hmm. the resources available, even when you got involved in 2015, are light years ahead of what I had available.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can literally make a film now with what you have, which is a phone.
0: Oh, yeah, and I'm... That's something we'll get into in a future episode, but I am all about yeah. all about smartphone filmmaking. But anyway, Absolutely. I apologize, I digress. Um, so, in 2017 is when you made The Silencer, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, 2017 I made The Silencer. Um, the Silencer is actually something I had been working on since high school. Uh, on and off, of course. You know, before my first attempt at filmmaking, I was writing screenplays... Before that, because I went out to, I went to chapters and I bought uh, Quentin Tarantino's *Inglorious Bastards* and in, like, hardcover. Okay. I bought that, uh, the screenplay, and I bought, uh, I forget the name of the book. I think it's called *Your Screenplay Sucks*. Is uh, I think that's the name of the book. I, I recognize the title. I don't think I've ever read it though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't either because <laughs> I just I bought Quentin Tarantino's in, *Inglorious Bastards* and I. It took it, you know, like screenplays are pretty easy to kind of grasp when you look at them, and so I just kind of mimicked that for my first script, and my first script was uh, the silencer, an early version, but uh, yeah, in twenty seventeen, now fast forwarding,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: wanted to revisit that that idea, uh, and I I did. I, I reached out to a, a local Facebook group we have here called Ottawa Filmmakers. And I talked to uh, someone who uh, Vanessa, who kind of showed me the ropes, um, kind of showed me the basics of even just on set etiquette, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and yeah, was, we got it made.
0: It was more more logistics than than anything else, correct?
1: Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. That. But definitely on that first film, she definitely made it happen. Like Brad and I were so clueless um, <laughs> in how to get it done the right way. And so it, it definitely went very smoothly. Uh, we shot it in two days and uh, we, it's, I think it was like two or three months of editing and sent it off to a bunch of film festivals. And it did pretty fairly well. You know, like a lot of them were monthly film festival, kind of like nothing film festivals. But it was still kind of like, I still felt pretty good.
0: This is a conversation we'll have another time about, you know, I have some strong opinions about film festivals in general. Yeah. And then monthlies versus versus whatnot. And, yeah. you know, that somehow, sometimes awards can be uh, more more harmful than helpful. But do you remember... Do you remember yep. some of your laurels for that or all of your laurels for, for 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 essentially your second film?
1: Yeah. So we got into Moscow International Film Festival, Oasis Film Screening Series, um LA International Film Festival. There was one in Rome that we got into, a couple in Europe actually. There was there's a fair few in Europe. And I would say about half of them were actual in-person festivals, and half of them were monthlies. But it won a few awards. It won Best Thriller at the LA Film Awards. Um, Dimitri won Best Actor at Moscow International Film Festival, uh, which is pretty awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. Actually, Dimitri's...
0: We're gonna we're gonna mention a yeah. bunch of names of people no one knows, but Dimitri Demetria is wonderful, and uh, yeah. hopefully we can we can get him on the show in the mm-hmm. in the nearish future.
1: But yeah, so we won won a couple of awards. Um, yeah, so uh, I ended up doing a re edit September last year, and I submitted to submitted it to a few festivals. Uh, one of which it, at the Hollywood gold awards, it won best thriller, like the gold award for best thriller, which is, that's awesome. you know, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like it, it just kind of reiterates to me, to us that it is a property that maybe we could revisit because there is something there.
0: Yeah. I, uh, and once again, so this is, I can, I can only speak to, you know, kind of my, my early experiences once again, cause you'd, uh, mm-hmm. that's another one you sent me when, when we met and, um and I'm watching and saying, and, and, and it, it was like, it was Arcturus, like Arcturus, you could see, you could see the potential. Mm-hmm. The, the silencer, you could see, you could see the, the improvement. And I would, yeah. I would say that at a, at a time when I didn't know you as well as I know now, know you now, just mm-hmm. looking at them from that perspective of, generally speaking, each film was a, was an improvement on the one before, which is, Kind of the yeah, kind of the the, the tra- trajectory we want anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree.
0: And so silencer silencer did well, and then you did a recut, which we will we will talk about recut. You know, going back to old works in a, in a future yep. episode. We're going to say that a lot because we got a we got a number of episode ideas yes. planned. So what followed up silencer? Because I feel like I know that you had sent me when we met in 2018. And we'll, once again, we'll talk more about that meeting in in a little bit. Um, you had sent me uh, a rough cut of what was the one? With don't listen to the don't open the file.
1: Oh right, uh, Silentium wasn't the next one. Silentium, um, okay. It was Sleep. Sleep was my next film. Right, uh, okay, that, and that was was that was that for one of the local things? Uh, no, but. It, I don't think I actually made it for any specific reason. Um, It ended up... Oh, sorry. It ended up actually being screened here in Ottawa at uh, a local screening night that they had uh, at the Shanghai. Um, Okay. And it was the silencer and sleep were double billed. Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah. And it it was kind of cool. But uh, sleep was kind of different because... Right. I had made the silencer, and originally I was just gonna want to shoot the sequel to the silencer, like back to like right after, because okay. it went so well. So I, w- but uh, I had this idea for sleep for quite a while, and I never really wrote it. It was actually based off of my own troubles with sleeping, uh, like with like sleep apnea and stuff like that. Right, right. And so I put my frustrations into a script, and. Uh, it did fairly well. Like, it got into a few festivals, but it's very niche and like kind of closer to like art house territory rather than more audience, like more audience based films.
0: I uh, I should actually mention now we're gonna have links in the show notes to to uh, most of if not all of the movies we talk about. So it's it's not just an abstract idea. You'll mm-hmm. be able to go and actually see them should you choose to. So, there was Sleep, and then, because you did a number, like, you did a number of films yeah. before Before I met you in, in August of 2018.
1: Yeah, I did, like, so I did Silencer in September of mm-hmm. 2017. I did Sleep in December of 2017. Mm-hmm. And then I shot, in 2018, I shot um, Catharsis, and then The Portrait. Okay. Catharsis never got released. It's in limbo and honestly i don't even have the file anymore so it's dead in the water right yes which sucks because it maybe that's Mm -hmm. something we can revisit as a concept later but uh it is it is something that never kind of got made because of a whole slew of problems in post-production mainly the the main reason behind it is not being prepared um, <laughs> that's a, I think that's going to be a theme from both of our early days we're going we're gonna to talk about. It. Yeah, uh, this was the first time that Brad and I were like, hey, let's co-direct this one. And you put yeah. like two people with like ADD and ADHD <laughs> and the director's chair and it, 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 it was kind of a disaster. Uh, there's some really great material in it, but yeah, so we shot that and then we shot the portrait and the portrait thankfully didn't not get released like we did release mm-hmm. it. Uh and then I wanna say I shot silentium. No, cuz we did apparition. Then I met you. Uh we did apparition together. Yes.
0: Yeah. So now that now that we're caught up to to 2018 yeah. and I'm going to I'm going to take us all the way back. I'm going to jump in here and yes. take us all the way back to 2004.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Let's hear it.
0: As I, as I'm dating uh, giving you once again, I'm an old guy. <laughs> um so my trajectory isn't the same as yours. I didn't always wanna wanna be a filmmaker. I've always loved movies, but growing up in a factory town no one says you can make movies. They're not like you can go to school and go to Toronto or Vancouver, because even then even you know I guess it didn't really exist in the in the eighties and early nineties. Maybe Vancouver a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um but I had been thinking about it, you know, can I, it was just somewhere along the line. It just kind of popped in my head, like, can you do this? Can you do this? And mm-hmm. um, a couple of things happened. And they're just weirdly interconnected. I was at a friend's house one day and um, I was watching TV while he was, he was getting changed or getting something or cleaning. Well, I don't even, I don't know. doesn't matter. And the video for Sunrise by Simply Red, they did a, they did a, uh, remaster and reissue in, mm-hmm. in in 2003 2004. And as I'm watching this video, it was like all of a sudden everything in my brain clicked and I could see all the pieces. Wow. Like in that, I I can't describe it better than that. It's, it's like suddenly it went from a video to an exploded diagram. That's awesome. Like, okay, I, I can I can see I can see the cuts. I can see how it flows together. I can see what they're doing here. I'm like, okay, well. Maybe this is, is possible. So I got the couple books that were available, which like was the complete idiot's guide to filmmaking and mm-hmm. film directing shot by shot. Um, and then I watched Super Troopers. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of that, that's that, that's a that's a big deal in the in the indie world. And that was at the time still where you know you're like, well, if you make a film and get into Sundance and get noticed, you can you can be a star. Yeah. It's kind of like um, the
1: American dream, but the filmmakers' dream. You know? Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, that's definitely not true anymore. No, um, unfortunately, that's a narrative they still sell. Yeah, um, but it was a big thing because it, it kind of gives you hope that you know these guys, you know, pulled together. They got they now they got an investor and pulled together like a mill three and and made this this wonderfully funny, charming, charming little film. And when I watched in the theater, there were. There are things they fixed before the DVD release, but I remember seeing a couple really bad cuts, like little jumps and like just not like just not well spliced. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started thinking, okay, yeah, this is this is possible. So I got together with a friend of mine, uh, Chris Renault. We went to school together, and we just got to talking. Uh, actually, there was another friend, um, but it didn't quite work out, and uh, <laughs> we actually got <laughs> he had a script, and we were working out the details. And this might seem like a small thing. Yeah. But at the time, I wouldn't let it go. Because he's like, okay, so they're in the car, and they, and they, they break down, and they're like, well, we're going to walk ahead. Yeah. They're like, they're not going to walk ahead. They're, gonna, if they, they're, they're, they're not from this area. They're not going to walk into the unknown. If they know there's a house a kilometer back, they're going to walk that way. And we could not reach an agreement over this issue. <laughs>
1: Are you kidding me?
0: I am not. I am not. Oh, my God. So um, it didn't work out working with, with this one friend, which is unfortunate. But my other friend, Chris, um, we got together and we were talking about it. And uh, he's like, well, I made this thing in high school, uh, which for us was you know fairly recently. And he showed me it. And it was um, not a great... It, it was shot VHS, so It was a high school contact project. So you know it is what it is. But it was ser- served as enough inspiration to make uh, make us getting dark our first our first long short. So we shot over the summer of two thousand four uh, every weekend from like July it was like mid July to yeah. the middle of October, and we got access to a graveyard, There's a lonely graveyard that was surrounded by trees, like it was at the edge of town. So we had to bring a generator, and that became a whole yeah. thing. We'll get into the individual films in future. Podcast. I do want to bring Chris on and and talk about talk about it's getting dark. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we brought in actors that Chris met through through acting classes, and we put this thing together. And much like when you had Vanessa as a mentor, uh, Ken Bowman came in and actually mentored us to get started.
1: Oh, that's awesome!
0: Because he went to a similar course that you took, um, and he completed it in Belleville. Peterborough. Oh,
1: okay. Loyalist College. He probably yeah. Went there. Probably
0: yeah. So he came in and kind of got us on the wrong, 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 on the right track. Pardon me. And he even edited. It. He like mm-hmm. it. This would not have happened without Ken. And then um, there were a number of difficulties, a number of challenges. It never really truly got finished, mostly because of audio issues. That's always
1: the the, the crutch. <laughs>
0: so, oh, exactly. So so a year later, we made another. We made a shorter short called Gary's Angels it's basically like a late night ad for for an escort service and it's not funny I mean in our in our in our early 20s we thought it was funny because we were watching a lot of Kevin Kevin Smith I'm like oh sex sells and these late night yeah these late night ads are hilarious so it was just pandering it wasn't funny there's jokes as a 43 year old I would not make today Mm -hmm. that are grossly insensitive but I don't want to scrub it from history because it's important to it's important to have those mistakes out there so you can be true to yourself. Yeah. And then in 2007, we made a, a loose sequel to "It's Getting Dark." Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. It was fun. We tried some new things. We tried bringing in some new crew. It, unfortunately, that also didn't work out. because hard, hard, yeah. like As you know, finding people that you can mesh with creatively is difficult. It's very hard. So we we did this uh, same as uh, same as it's getting dark. We shot over you know, like two months of weekends um, mm-hmm. and knocked this thing out. And unfortunately, same thing. It's not it's done, but it's not really done because there's still audio issues, which is which yeah. is an ongoing problem. From a technical standpoint, it looks better. It's better better produced, but it, it doesn't matter because the story is still. Severely lacking. So yes, after after doing those uh, and generally being un- dissatisfied with the process, you know, usually having no resources, things not turning out as awesome as they were in my head, I just kind of walked away from it until twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. where I met Vince through Ottawa Filmmakers. Yeah, and I made a couple, helped helped
1: him with it, with a couple films. You had known him before, though, right? Like very, like loosely. Yeah, he'd <laughs> um, his
0: girlfriend lived next to us when we lived in Ottawa in early. Okay. At I can't even remember when, like ten years ago. Yeah. And he was helping my friend Richard Groen, who's also someone else mm-hmm. someone we should get on because he's made two fe- two features There's a third that seems to be in in endless pre production. I think there's not a lot of posting about it.
1: Well, there's soldier in the barn is his third, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so I met Vince through, through Richard because they were shooting at Vince's girlfriend's house. Yeah, but it was just a, like a you know a, like a loose acquaintance. But I reached out to him and like I said early, 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 early 2018, and I said helped him with a couple of shorts. Uh, him and I made two mobile films, and then I kind of took the lead on Apparition. When I met you through Vanessa, yes, yeah, I had once the same thing met her through Ottawa Filmmakers, and uh, she was helping me produce it. And yep. I said, "We need," I said, "We need a behind the scenes person,"
1: which she translated to, "We need an assistant director." <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a big miscommunication, but the end result is fantastic. So it's a, it, it, was, it was a fun little film. But you remember how, how hot it was. Oh my god! I, yeah, there was one point where I was like, "I'm sorry, Jason, I'm going downstairs because it's way too hot." Oh up here. no,
0: absolutely! It was it was yeah. it was the middle of you know August. It was the literally the middle of the hottest time of summer. No air conditioning. Oh
1: yeah, it was scorching. No airflow.
0: And yeah. luckily, it was only a you know page and a half script, so it was only really three scenes. So we were able to knock it out in the day. And mm-hmm. I think we started at like nine and wrapped at six yeah
1: yeah it, 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 I mean look it went pretty smoothly as a day
0: and at the time this is this is the time when I was really getting into into understanding understanding story structure what what makes yes. the script work because of all the films I've been made and been involved in it's like the, none of these are are what they should be why not mm-hmm. and then I stumbled into I stumbled into save the cat through. Hollywood said no by Bob Odin Kirk and David cross
1: oh, I love those two
0: I really do I, I I unfortunately I'm not a huge fan of mr show but their independent work is is amazing
1: mr show is it's very niche I I love it um, but it's very very niche hmm yeah so yeah so I was getting I was pretty far into my my
0: understanding screenwriting journey and we all carpooled from Ottawa to 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 Russell, Embrun, whatever it was.
1: It was me and Laura.
0: Yep. Yes. And we didn't talk much about it on the way out. But it was way mm-hmm. back because, remember, Sean Buffton jumped in with us, too.
1: Yes, yes. And, yes, I remember this now. Yeah, it, it was a great car ride. Um, I think uh, that was when I brought up to you Silentium, the script.
0: Yes. And, yeah, and this is basically where our friendship started because you'd sent yep. me... I, you, we were talking about it, and you are like, hey, can you take a look at, these, at, at this script? And you sent me some... He sent it to me and I sent back some notes, and I was I pretty much hadn't made I, that was pretty much where I, I wasn't really making anything at that time, because a lot of things happened in quick succession. Vince was doing the bi-monthly filmmakers get-togethers, and then we, we set up a weekly thing. Yes.: Yeah, just like uh, we just put just yeah it was just like a munch, like we hey, we're you know filmmakers, actors, whatnot. We're going to be at this place.
1: Yeah, those were awesome you
0: know, from you know nine to 12 come out and come out and meet and uh so you and brad had come out yeah
1: we went to like almost all of them
0: through those you met met mesa yeah and you told her about what the stuff you and brad do and then she asked you to produce dirty love is that is that the right the right sequence of events
1: yeah sort of we we kind of just said to her hey you need help Brad and I are literally looking for kind of like a meteor project, you know, something that we can have under our, uh, us as producers. So uh, we kind of, it was at one of your Friday night get togethers that we talked, we were sitting across from Mesa and Brad and I were talking to her and uh, we produced, we helped her produce Dirty Love. And um, yeah, I mean, like it was hard for... It was it was easier for Brad to do it because he had weekends off. It was harder for me because I worked weekends.
0: Right. Yes, um, you had a garbage schedule. Yeah, it
1: was just an awful schedule. Um but it, it you know, I mean, overall the, the, the show got made and uh I don't think I was working on anything of my own at that point because I think that kind of just took up a lot of my my
0: mm-hmm.
1: time. Um I know I shot the dinner soon after that because I have Mesa in that. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, yeah, the dinner was sometime after Yeah. After that wrapped, so that would have been late. March or late. April
1: 2020, or 2019, sorry. Yes, yeah.
0: yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because they wrapped up, I want to say sometime in, in I want to say they wrapped
1: up before the end of 2018. They wrapped up correct? in January, I think, of 2019. Okay. Yeah, so right. we shot the dinner, uh, after the dinner, I, oh, Neurotonin is in there somewhere uh neurotonin was 2018 uh oh right yeah neurotonin was the monster pool that you produced with vince right and i produced monster pool hold on i got it right in front of me technology here.
0: uh monster pool for technology yeah
1: yes so i shot neurotonin in august of 2018 so it was after we did apparition right yeah.
0: Okay. So your summer was busy because you hadn't made Silentium yet either.
1: No. I did Silentium like a month after.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So you did two in the summer. hmm. And then on to producing
1: until 2019. Did you make anything in 2019?
0: Uh, or did we make anything in 2019? Because by I the time made- we started.
1: Yeah, we did. Yes, we did because we did the dinner, or well, I did the dinner. Yeah, you did the dinner. Then wasn't you and I did iteration sixteen right. in July, Yes. and then in September I did Sand and Stone.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So iteration sixteen was fun because I actually came in, came in late because the the original director of photography wasn't available to come in. Yeah. And you had, what was it, like the day before? It was like two days. <laughs>
1: it was the day before. Yeah, and you're like,
0: uh, we're using hey, a Hey, you're red. not
1: going to be assistant camera. You're going to be <laughs> <laughs> the director of photography.
0: So, yes, and then you brought this this giant red over. And I'm like, okay, i got to figure this thing in, out in like two yeah, hours. Yeah, I left
1: it with you, I think. Too. Yep, you did. And <laughs> I was, so just I, dropped so, it yeah. off, and I'm like, here, have fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I figured out how to set up and dissemble it and use it. Yeah. And i got to say, you and I have talked about this. I am... Yeah. I was so impressed with the menu system and the operation; it was so
1: simple. Honestly, if that's Julian, like a camera, was, I wish we could have. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It was like it—it's big and bulky and worth it and 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 a monster. But the menu in it, it just—it was just so like it's not yeah. just the menu. The camera itself was just so easy to use. It's literally one Joypad, like stick, and you click mm-hmm. in for the button. Yeah. Not like this. Like we use the Sony a7 III most of the yeah. time, and it's menu on menu on menu on menu is is very frustrating. So
1: we actually shot Iteration 16, and then Cleanse, Restore, Eradicate, back-to-back. Back. I think like right. two or three weekends apart, actually.
0: Yes. Because yep. we
1: shot in July Iteration 16, and then in August we did Cleanse, Restore, Eradicate.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yes, yeah, because Cleanser Store, Eradicate was for... We did a lot of... Honestly, we did a lot of films. Wow. we did, did a lot in 2019. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I do want to come back to Iteration 16 yeah. for anyone who watches it. There's... We, we made a... My my friend Andy pointed it when he watched it, because there's a... There <laughs> are two people talking at a table, and instead of just putting... So, one guy has a giant thing on the wall behind him. Yeah. And the other guy doesn't. And we're watching this with Andy, and he's like why don't you just, instead of moving the camera, why did not you just move the guy to the other side of the table? I'm like, ah. Uh, like
1: literally no so, one would notice. I
0: know. And we would have saved a whole setup. And it just, as soon as he said it, it's just like, oh, damn it. I I need to uh, uh, amend my earlier statement. <laughs> it was my, my wife, Erin, who said, why don't you guys just put the other guy on the same side of the table instead of moving the camera? Anyway, the point is, it was such a simple and elegant yep. thing that we should have done, but instead we made it much more complicated than it needed to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, again, like I said, I I'm still happy with that film.
0: It is. Um, I the 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 performances were great. The look is. Yeah. Uh, the look came out really really nice.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: And we um we realized that tech. T- an area we were lacking technically, you know, we worked around it. Yeah. Because your because your original your original idea for the for his world dissolving, we 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 just didn't have the cave like the capability or skill to do. But I think I, I think the the what we came what you came up with is just as effective.
1: Yeah, it basically cuts to uh, the doctor waking up from the simulation, and then when it cuts back to the artificial intelligence, the main character, it's like all dark. It's like a black void that he's in. And I think that like, I mean, look, honestly, I still have all the files. I could do a thing in After Effects and maybe make it better, but I don't think I really need to. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine as it is. Uh, Because again, like it's not one of the films I've made that I want to revisit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the silencer was because it was, I, I actually, after watching way more films since then, I wanted it to be more neo-noir. And so I made it black and white and I went with a look mm-hmm. and I think it actually looked way better because of that. Uh, but anyways, I, I, yes, yeah. I'm sc- scattered in my thought process there, but, uh, <laughs> we shot cleanser store eradicate right after, uh, mm-hmm. iteration 16, which you shot on the a seven three. Uh, did yeah, I? Shoot it? You oh, did. Yeah, you did. You were you were the DOP. I did, didn't yeah, I? Because Jesse, the right. DOP that I was working with at the time, he acted in it, which was kind of like right. a you know a switcheroo. <laughs> um,
0: yes. Uh, and that was two days back to back, right?
1: Uh, no. Uh, maybe I thought I think we did it like a week apart. I thought we did it a week apart.
0: Okay, it, it might have been. I just know that it was it was two very long. days. It was days. two very long days. Were... There was a lot of lot of yeah. setups, and uh, then then we didn't do any didn't do anything until Spirit Bell, right? Uh,
1: I did Sand and Stone oh, you for said, DG yes. sixty, which I, I should talk about because it was kind of one of my bigger moments. You should absolutely talk about that. Tell tell us tell us about Sand and Stone, Julian. To preface this, uh, we live in Ottawa, Ontario, and in Ottawa we don't have much in the way of filmmaking, but we have one kind of. Uh, Film festival competition called Digi60 Filmmakers Festival. And essentially, what it is is every year they have a an event where they release a, a catchphrase, or it's, it's actually just a word. Um, and the year that I did it, I had started meeting with this lovely gentleman and writing partner of mine, Mark Templin. Oh, we love Mark Templin. Oh, we yeah. very much he, love we Mark We should Templin. have him on. Yes, too. we absolutely should uh so i met with him regarding a couple of things but this one was the one that piqued my interest because i i kind of told him like hey uh i'd like to do a digi 60 and i want someone else to i would like you to write the script for me and at first it wasn't really about my like the film wasn't about my childhood at first it was just i had this idea about a man who was trying to come to terms with this damaged relationship with his father. And I told him stuff about my life, uh, very personal stuff, and he kind of just said to me, hey, if you're up for it, we should just do a story about your childhood because there's enough... You know, you have enough memories that you have told me about that could make a film. And so we did. Um, We did it under the guise of... uh, uh, basically, the the main character is with his uh, psychotherapist, who is has him under hypnosis, and he's revisiting memories from his childhood. And uh, it's you know the film's about uh, changing perspective and forgiveness and stuff like that. And we we premiered it at Digi sixty in twenty nineteen in December. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into Digi sixty. Wanting to win any awards. I just wanted to, uh, honestly, I, at first, I did it to shut people up. <laughs> Everyone that, every like.
0: Why, why haven't you made a digi?
1: Yeah, exactly. Every time I would go to those like meet and greet like socials that were that happen, every single time someone would be like, hey, you haven't done a digi 60. Why haven't you done a, a digi 60? And so I just said, fuck it, I'll do a digi 60. <laughs> um, so I did it. Uh, we go to the event and lo and behold, the end of the, the event is coming and I won best film and yeah, I tell mean...
0: Yeah. How, how are you feeling then?
1: Uh... No, like
0: you, you went from, I'm okay, I'm just going to end of this film to yeah. this, to this local festival to essentially, essentially winning it all on your first pass.
1: I was woefully unprepared is my, <laughs> my initial <laughs> thought because... Again, I I was going there kind of not I was going there with no expectation. Mm-hmm. I go up there and apparently I spoke pretty well like my mom says, but you know, I went up there and I say uh, thank you so much blah blah blah. It was about my father. The film was about my father and I remember everyone audibly gasped when I said it was about like my life with my father. And in in my head I'm like, "Oh, I I did my job right." Like mm-hmm. I I I told it can a, con- a an authentic story that moved people and that that's really like better than any award is like you know speak reaching an audience that way
0: oh i'm i'm with you 100 percent there i mean awards are great but if you can actually make that that connection yeah. where where you've impacted someone with the story yeah. you're telling that's that's
1: that's the that, real that, that's what, that's that's
0: that's what i'm in it for
1: yeah so uh, yeah, so I won that. Uh, there was a you know nice after party. I went on CBC Radio, and it was a quick interview. It was like ten minutes, but uh, yeah, it kind of it 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 opened some doors for me. I won uh, tickets to TIFF, hmm. uh, which was great. It was online though, so I didn't go to Toronto,
0: right? Because because we were in the middle of, in the middle of the pandemic yeah, by that point,
1: exactly. Uh and then after Sand and Stone, which was great, it was the best mic drop moment ever for me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm i I'm not <laughs> I, I don't plan on doing another Digi60, not because I not because I don't think it's worth it or anything like that. More mm-hmm. just because I it was a great experience and mm-hmm. I like to leave it on that high note, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 in the same way that I respect shows that end while they're still good, essentially, because yeah. like, okay, here, here's for the moment, here's the best output I can do, yes. and trying to trying to follow that up, uh, it's like impossible, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, could you could you win again? Probably, Probably. but at the same time, you could also end up chasing your own tail.
1: Exactly, and and uh, I I did actually submit Resonance, which is sort of related to Sand and Stone because it's a it's a based off of a poem my dad wrote. But mm-hmm.
0: uh, and uh, and and once again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, most, if not all, of the things we talked about will yes. will have links to through. I think most of this is going to be on the Zero Theory channel. Uh,
1: Resonance is actually on our Cinematica channel, but the other stuff is going to be uh, uh, like on Zero Theory.
0: Right, gotcha. Yeah, we'll have all we'll have links to all that. So hopefully, yeah. we piqued your interest.
1: Yeah. Um. So we did Spirit Bell after that. Which is probably our most, it was definitely our most ambitious film, but also, yes, uh, most successful film in the sense that we got together and we watched some uh, David F. Sandberg shorts and a few other. Whisper, I want to mention because Whisper is phenomenal. It really is. But we watched some films and we were like, hey, we want to do that. We want to take, like, we realized, con- like, horror films, when it's a, in a short film. If you put too much story, it just takes away from what you want from it. Like with with a horror short film, you want it to be the situation, no story, like a situation. And so that's what we did.
0: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, it, Yeah, so yeah, we we and, and the end in that sense we went back to the basics. Okay, let's can we tell a simple yeah, a simple engaging tale that that, that builds suspense and uh, yeah. and a scare ideally. And uh, so for that, we, we, we change up our crew a little bit because uh, my eyes are not so good lately and I can't seem to get an optometrist yeah. appointment, which is irritating. Um, so we had your friend Fabio come in and be our DP on that.
1: He's wonderful. He's a, he's a wonderful DOP, wonderful to work with um he did a fantastic job
0: yeah it was uh i we have talked about this multiple times the uh the collaboration between the like we had the rest of our crew there Brad was there Matt was doing Matt was doing sound um i think
1: we had Chris Senn in there too for that one
0: uh yeah i think he ducked in uh and Brad did, yeah. Brad did a little bit of acting in that but the the collaboration between you you me and and Fabio to to you know kind of get the look the way yeah. we wanted, it was it was it was a very very good experience
1: Yes, and it it went really well. We posted it. I think we, I don't think we dilly dally with that one. Like we finished post and we released it pretty much right away. We didn't deal with film festivals for that yeah. one because uh, we didn't. That was not our goal. We wanted to make a short. And yeah, release
0: the it. Uh, it, it was supposed to be the start of a project. We're relaunching. The we talked yeah. about going back to basics in that sense because
1: mm-hmm.
0: of all the films we talked about a lot of them still weren't what we wanted them to be so like well how can we fix this no. so we decided we let's put our heads together and look at how mm-hmm. we're making films so we're going to go back to basics right from the storytelling, right from the script. We're going to spend more time developing that. And then we're going to come up with a much better much better plan for shooting, a little less off the cuff. Because a lot of times we would end up going on set and then figuring things out. Because this is the thing we're going to talk about in the future is the limited resources you have as a no-budget filmmaker, as it were. Yeah. Is that sometimes you don't have access to a location until you get there. Which is unfortunate, uh, but we're we're looking at ways around around that for the planning for the planning portion, and yeah. we were going to do twelve films in twelve months mm-hmm. and practice different techniques, try to attempt things we haven't done before, learn yeah. things like After Effects, compositing, um, a number of things. But then immediately after we made Spirit Bell, uh, Canada went into, or at least Ontario into
1: lockdown and we kind of went dormant i mean as you know like 90 percent of the world we went dormant mm-hmm. uh, until this month
0: yes uh although we, we uh i do have to say we we have one in limbo yes there was that uh that time ar- around this time last year where the lock yes we shot lifted. thanks grieving thanks grieving um on on smartphone and we tried to do it without planning yeah. Because uh, we have mentioned Vince before, he is very good at visualizing what he wants in his head and going yeah. and doing it. So the question was, with our experience, can we do that? And the answer is no, we cannot.
1: You know, and I'll, I'll explain something. I had a realization, and it was mm-hmm. watching uh, David F. Sandberg, one of his filmmaking videos. Okay. The reason why we can't is because Vince, very much like David F. Sandberg, knows exactly what he wants, and he's a one-person crew hmm. Right. But we you, you have you and I, we have Brad, we have, you know, we have a, a small, but we have a team. And when you have multiple people, you do need to be planned and coordinated. If it was just you, let's say, shooting everything. Right. You probably could do it and figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. But when there's multiple people, they, people talk over each other. Conversations run longer. You just you lose time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even in the planning stage, you have to you have to verbalize your idea in such a yeah. way that multiple people understand what you're trying to describe. Absolutely. Um,
1: I think you know that's that's one that we'll definitely either revisit or finish mm-hmm. and just release. The the, the, um,
0: the general concept is still still good, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it is too.
0: It, yeah. Um, so we have one in limbo. Yeah. Um, and then things went into lockdown again. Yeah. We've been we've been in lockdowns like so many people. And then now we're we're mostly clear, basically. Most things are completely opened up at this point. Um, yeah, with your vaccine, proof of vaccination, yeah, wearing masks. I mean So then you and I talked about relaunching our original plan. Yes. Of of twelve films in twelve months. Yep. And you had been bouncing around in a um a Spirit Bell sequel or light sequel for well, I guess the last two years.
1: <laughs> yeah, since we did the first one. Yeah. Uh, we had several iterations of ideas that we had talked about over the last two years. Um, but there was one night, I want to say like five months ago, where I just wrote a vomit draft. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it wasn't five months. It was like two months ago. Wrote a mm-hmm. vomit draft, and we worked with that, and we did some of our best planning with this Yes, film. we um, we we actually went back
0: through, <clears throat> we went back through your script. Yeah. And um, this is one of the benefits of Apple is we can get in the living room and I can airplay it. Yep. Or screen mirror it to the TV so we can we can have access to a big screen and go through line by line. And that's what we did. And we were looking at, okay, hey, this mm-hmm. this dialogue is a little clunky. This is good. We don't like this. So we we went and refined the script until we were both happy with it. Yep. And then we went back through and pre-visualized it now this the this might seem like uh, yes, some people out there might be like yeah well that's of course of course that's what you do um and it is but we routinely had not been doing that <laughs> um yeah
1: we kind of just been jumping into it without previs.
0: yeah uh because of but this comes back to the, the limitation of locations it's hard to plan now we shot at mark's place so we were able to go in yeah, and take pictures. So yeah, we took pictures, and we actually we did a walkthrough of the script before before the line by line previs. Yeah. So we had the advantage of the location. We went back, and then we planned. Mm-hmm. We had a complete shot list, which we knew was going to change once because our, our Fabio was coming back to yep. to shoot this one for us, and we knew there's going to be changes because he wasn't available that day. Because he he has a better idea what the camera sees than we do, but. In any case, we came up with a solid plan, and when we went to set, in actual shooting, actual shooting time was about 10 hours, and I think we did, what, 45? It was 42 or 45?
1: I think it was 52.
0: It might have been 50, yeah. It was was a huge number of of setups for a a page-and-a-half script.
1: Yeah, a a page-and-a-half script, which ended up being like a five-minute film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know
0: and so so proof in the pudding that if we slow down our pre-production it pays dividends because you knocked out uh a rough cut the next day
1: yeah i i'm crazy like that i love doing that
0: well we also it it helped (laughs) that we 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 actively took uh, took notes on the shots as well.
1: Well I made it like it went swimmingly I was like okay yes. I'll to go to this one Yeah, you know, it, it was easy. Yeah to-
0: exactly so we had a we had a we had a shot list and then notes yeah. so you would know which ones were were essentially good and bad and it just yeah, you know it it everything in the process is faster and streamlined and we want to continue improving on that so we are relaunching our 12 films in 12 months. 12 by 12. And- Twelve by twelve, and we are going to talk about that on this podcast, as well as things we've learned in filmmaking. We're going to interview uh, people we've worked with, uh, hopefully people we've never met, because I do want to talk about f- shorts we find on YouTube.
1: Uh, yeah that that that's that's a great plan that we have. You know, like we're going to be looking at short films on YouTube, maybe trying to reach out to the filmmakers, because um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of shorts that get that are fantastic and they get unnoticed not because of any quality reasons, but because they're just inundated with lots well, of them on YouTube, right?
0: And that's what that's a conversation you have, you and I have had multiple times. Yeah. Of the, it, how do you? There's so much being put up. How do you rise above it? Because, exactly. Because, because because story quality. Like, look at when you're making film. Story quality is number one. It doesn't matter the camera or the image. You need strong story and strong sound, then good image. I mean, in that order, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you get all those things right, there's no guarantee you're going to get noticed.
1: Exactly, and I think that having a clear frame of mind going into an endeavor like this is, I think, why I think I'm not too worried because we know mm-hmm. what to expect we know that we're doing this we i mean these films we're making for us but also we're doing this channel this podcast because i think there's lots of people out there that either don't know how to you know get into filmmaking or feel stuck um mm-hmm. and i think that yeah the, the, yeah this
0: is yeah. very much made for for you know people like us who you know decide to get into it and are just figuring it as you go people who are in the middle of the journey who are like okay well how do i get better i shot films they don't they're not what i wanted what do i do Yeah. because there, there there seems to be that gap in the market of like there's all these books about how to write a script how to shoot a film how to sell your script how to pitch to hollywood blah blah, blah. but this middle ground where you're like okay well i made films but they're not good what do i do is is missing coming back to what you said about uh about you know Doing this for the right reasons, because you and I have talked about, we can grind and grind and grind and no matter how good our quality is, it doesn't matter because we might not get noticed. So we need to do this for us Mm -hmm. because even if we don't get noticed or, you know, grow an audience, it doesn't matter because that's not the main reason for doing it. The main reason is to make 12 good films and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and. Grow our skill set as we go. No matter what, it's a win.
1: Yeah. Um the way I see it is and, and this is something that we've we've talked about too. Some of them might be just, okay, I have a special effect I want to do. Well, you know what? Let's let's build a, a concept film where I will use that special effect. We'll do some test shots, we'll test it out. And uh one of those kind of test footage things that I want to do is in Spirit Bell right with like putting an overlay onto like a monster overlay yes you yep. know on something like that and I think there's going to be lots of other tests that we'll want to test out and it's just you know gaining skills for a bigger project that we might do later so
0: well we're we're actually we're actually trying something for the first time tomorrow night and that yep. is we need uh, we need a pickup shot of our of our spirit from the new spirit bell. Yeah, and the shot we got on set was good, but not good enough. Exactly. So so we are going to do our first attempt of shooting a pickup, independent of everything else. Yeah, and and compositing it in, and this might be you know old hat for for a lot of filmmakers out there, but we've never really done it. Exactly. So so that's we're, that's where we're we're ahead with that. But what I wanted to say is that a couple days ago I sent Julian a video that Joel Haver, a very successful YouTuber, yeah. has put out. Um, quick thing about Joel, he decided to make a short film every week and post them on YouTube and his whole thing is making making what he wants to make. Yeah. And he has grown a huge audience. But he posted a good video. Mm-hmm. Um, a year ago he had like 3,000 subscribers and then he hit on a video that just caught fire Yeah, and he went from, in a year he went from 3,000 to a million and he does a very good job of explaining that this is not the path that every other YouTuber is going to take and that that once again I mentioned before we can grind and grind and grind and not not, not reach people and that We have to be okay with that. But if we make things for the right reason for ourselves, to grow our skill set and to just tell the good stories that we want to tell, who knows what can happen.
1: Exactly. Um, Because I think at the end of the day, what's so important is staying authentic to yourself in your storytelling. Uh, Joel Haver is extremely authentic. And I mean, I just watched his... uh, his feature, pretend that you love me. The film was shot very unconventionally. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't follow any cinematic conventions. It, it is, it is, but it is authentically yeah. him and it's beautiful. <laughs> I'll say that when you get to the end, you're like, wow, that, that was a beautiful film. It almost feels like okay. performance art. I don't know if you like, you'll, when you get to the end, you'll real, you'll, you'll probably have that same conclusion. But it inspired me. It inspired Liam as well when I was with him. Oh, that's good to hear. Because, yeah, it, he made that alone. I mean, he had a few people that on his crew, but he made a compelling feature on his own. And it just goes to show that you don't need, this giant studio you don't need millions of dollars you can do wonders with what you have if you can tell a compelling story uh, that's what I've been that's what I've been on Julian about
0: for for the last two years is that story 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 yeah and I will say this you you, you kind of had yeah. a, a grasp on it g- generally without like more intuitively. Um, and since you, you, I've been, you know, yeah, preaching the gospel of story to you, you've only gotten better because you're, mm-hmm. you're adding new knowledge to your existing base, which was already pretty close.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So as you can tell, a couple of our big influences are David F. Sandberg and, and more recently Joel Haver, just because of his, his approach, his authenticity. Yes. And... You know, it's it, it helps to have things to strive for. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to don't want to emulate either of those gentlemen, but I want to I want to take the lessons learned from them and apply it to to our own unique brand.
1: I agree. So
0: I think that's about gonna wrap up our introductory podcast. We've talked about who we are, what we've done, and 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 why mm-hmm. we're why we're doing this. And uh, the goal is yep. to start getting guests on board, where we can talk to them about their filmmaking experiences, their lessons. Uh, because it, it's more people like us who who are doing this in their free time, and and just have this compulsion to tell stories, and 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 the insights that they that they can bring to the table. I want to talk about sound very early on because there's not nearly enough importance put on it in these conversations.
1: I agree. Sound is the On a technical level, sound is the single most important piece of the puzzle.
0: Oh, absolutely! And I I never, I never realized it until way too late. Because even when I did my first film, I was the same as the people who talk to me now. So, what camera do I buy? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Shoot on your phone. Just get good sound. Yep. So Julian, where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am the real JBV on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel, Zero Theory Media. We also have our new channel that we have started up for all of our the stuff that we talked about today, Cinematica. And I'm on Instagram, Julian Zero Theory. Excellent. And
0: uh, you can find me on mostly Instagram, at Jason C. Marshall. Um, As Julian said, Zero Theory Media on YouTube and the new Cinematica channel. Um, And I'm also on two other podcasts, the SBP podcast, where I talk about story in filmmaking, and the Nevers podcast, uh, where I talk about, uh, I'm a co-host, Laura is the lead host, and we talk about uh, the HBO show, The Nevers. yeah. We appreciate anyone who listened, and I hope you'll check out uh, the various links we we talked about. And I do hope that you come back for future episodes because I think that we have a lot to bring to the table.
1: I agree. Thank you so much for listening, and we have so much more to talk about in future podcasts.
0: You're damn right, we do. Until next time, keep on shooting.